Welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I'm your host, Olivia Adams, and I am delighted to introduce you to our guest today, Beverly McIver. Beverly is a pianist, composer, and music educator just east of Ottawa, Ontario, who teaches piano students all ages and is a collaborator and a soloist. Formerly, she was a business analyst for many years until she made the decision to pursue her love of music, which has always been an important part of her life. She spent formative years preparing Royal Conservatory exams and for music festivals and earned college tuition by accompanying ballet classes. She's been a pianist and an organist for congregations in Kingston, Scarborough and Ottawa and continues with private studies in classical and jazz piano and composition, and is regularly attending and teaching seminars and master classes. In 2019, she completed the undergraduate piano pedagogy certificate program at the University of Ottawa, including teaching practicums with orchestra and the Lotus Center for Special Music Education. Also in 2019, she attended the Indigenous Classical Musicians and Banff Musicians in Residence program at the Banff Centre for the Arts. Her compositions have been performed at the Native Earth Performing Arts and in collaboration with Jumblies Theatre and Soundstreams in Toronto. In 2020, she was awarded the Digital Originals Grant from the Canada Council to compose piano solos for each provincial and territorial emblem and has since put forth Timelines, a series of compositions for two pianos, and River Tales, a series of compositions for voice and piano with poet Wendy Duchesne's. Beverly, it's so great to speak with you today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much, Olivia. Great. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. Um, Beverly and I met sometime during the pandemic. I think we had met virtually. I maybe reached out to you um, in regards to some of your compositions. And um, it's been so great following all of the amazing uh, work that you're doing and all of the music that you're composing these last few years. You have been really busy. <laughs> yes, and likewise. Uh, so Beverly, can you tell us a bit about your composition journey and what led you down the path of being a musician and composer? Well, as I was studying piano in my childhood and a path that I continued throughout my life, I never really had any interest in composing. I, it just wasn't something that uh, I was pursuing at all. I just wanted to play the piano. Then I started taking some jazz piano lessons and I started going to jazz camp in the summer with uh, Jazzworks Canada. That's a, a week where you can... Um, go and play with other jazz musicians of all levels. So I was a, a beginner. And then they started offering extra days where you could arrive early and either practice independently or you could uh, be a part of the composer's symposium. So the first time that I went to that, I practiced independently. Uh, in fact, I, I just played Bach for three days. So I was working on... Uh, uh, some I wanted to learn on 24 preludes in book one, so I just practiced that. But the composer symposium was also happening at the same time, so I would I would go and watch the workshops, and I was intrigued. So the the second year I signed up for the composer symposium. I didn't I I had some ideas mulling around in my brain for uh, Bojo Manoman, a suite that I was writing about uh, 
wild rice. And uh, so I took those ideas to camp and didn't really work on them till maybe the maybe the last day of the composer's symposium. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I better start writing something. So I put something down. And and from that point on, I was uh, I was quite interested. And then I met uh, Jessica McMahon, who is a flute player from Calgary. And uh, she's Indigenous, and we have similar backgrounds. She asked me if I had anything that, uh, any work that I had composed. And I said, well, I have these couple of pieces that I've been working on. So I think that was the moment where I officially became a composer because I wanted to finish the Bojo Manoman Suite and I wanted Jessica to play it. That's how I became a composer. <laughs> and so can you tell us, like, was this Jazz Works Piano Camp, was this when you were um, a child or was this like for adult musicians? Yes, it's uh, it's adult musicians. Yeah, so I started, uh, I think it was around 2014 that I started going there. Oh, neat! I love that camp for adult musicians. I I would love to attend something like that. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, so I'm curious, could you let us in? You know, take a peek into your compositional journey a little bit. Can you describe how you begin a new commission or when you were composing that piece that you wanted to play with Jessica McMahon? Um, you said you started with some inspirational ideas. And then how do you go about that process? Hmm. Well, I, I think that's part of the, the learning process. So at first, that first suite, I just had a series of ideas. Um, that I wanted to realize. And part of that was, uh, I guess, talking about my knowledge about Manoman, which is which is the Ojibwe word for wild rice. So I had uh, uh, steps of the harvest, but also ideas about what Manoman means to the Ojibwe people. So I had to get into the history and the uh, and how it's involved in our stories. So each each of those ideas could could become a piece. So I think there's nine pieces in Bojomenoman. But then the next one, the next thing that I composed was uh, the Odabanog Suite. That was a joint project with my daughter Melody McIver, who's also a composer. Mm-hmm. So she was writing a string quartet, and I was writing a choral work based on interviews that Melody did with elders from our community. So that was a totally different process. I had to come up with a choral work based on uh, things that I drew from the interviews. So I, I drew certain words. I drew uh, one of the songs was a story. So I I wrote a song that that basically retold the narrative. And uh, so that was a different approach. So I was using text-based material and uh, coming up with a composition for each elder's contribution or interview. Wow, that sounds that sounds incredible. And now that I think of it, I think I was I think it was through Melody that I learned of um, your work, Beverly. So did you and Melody do 
composing together? Were you like co-writers in that process or did you kind of compose separately, but on, around that same theme and those same stories? Yes, we composed separately and we deliberately didn't share our, our work. We were afraid. Well, I tried to share my work, but no, they didn't really want to uh, be influenced by it and vice versa. So we didn't see each other's or we didn't hear each other's work until everything was all finished. Oh, neat. Composing yeah. independently, but using the same material. So our compositions are vastly different, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then different in musically, but then thematically yes. connected. That's great. Beverly, correct me if I'm wrong, but you tend to compose in sweet form. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I don't I don't know why uh, it's <laughs> way, but uh, that seems to be what I tend to do. Uh, I've, I've composed uh, a couple of little songs. I, I've got uh, a, a jazz partner, Jacinthe uh, Bigra who's a singer. So I've composed a couple of songs that, that she's sung. But uh, yeah, most of my work tends to be somatically based and multiple things that are connected. Yes, I love it. I mean, it, it's such a pleasure to to be able to, I love playing the, the Canadian floral emblems and it's so cool to, to play a set of those. Um, now, I was wondering, do you have you you've let us into um, a little bit of this, but do you have compositional practices or rituals that keep you grounded when you're going through a composing process or not so much? Mm -hmm. hmm. I think um, I think I just try to stay healthy, <laughs> go outside as much as I can, drink water. Uh, eat, uh, try to not snack and things like that. Um, as far as rituals, uh, yeah, I think there are some things. Like, so I'll go outside and meditate, or if I'm struggling, then I'll I'll try to find some way to break through that struggle. So I might do a, I might do a graphic score just to generate some ideas or mm -hmm. find ways to change my thinking completely. So just take a leap into the, uh, just try something completely opposite to what, it, what I'm, what I'm struggling with. Oh, neat. I love that idea of, of starting with a graphic score. And, and then you were saying that you, you like to be outside and you find that inspiring. Do you, do you find that place and environment really influence your your compositions? Um, yes, they could, because the Canadian Floral Emblem started with a visit to a conservation area where there's uh, lady slippers growing. So that that whole suite kind of sprang out of that that visit and how inspirational that was. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Could you name some someone that has really inspired your your writing and your composition? Yes, for sure. When I was working on the Canadian Floral Emblem Suite, I took lessons with composition lessons with Philip Greenleaf. Mm. Philip was uh, 
was one of the mentors at a uh, BAMP pro program that I attended was Jessica McMahon. So we, we recorded an album together and we were part of the, uh, the BAMP Musician in Residence program. Mm -hmm. He was one of the faculty, so I met him there. And then when I decided that I was going to write the floral emblems, I got in touch with Philip and said, I'm going to need your help on this <laughs> <laughs> to guide me through because <laughs> I've got a, you know, a big task that I've got to do and, and I uh, don't have a lot of compositional background and I just, I need a mentor and someone to, to keep me on track and, and to give me feedback on, on what I'm writing. So he contributed in so many ways to that suite. I, you know, you know, when I play the suite, I think, oh, that, you know, I wouldn't have done that except for Philip's advice. <laughs> um, he made suggestions, you know, and he was always very generous with, with, uh, with what he offered. You know, he said, I'm, I'm just making this suggestion. You're free to take it or, or not. Um, but you know, maybe it'll, it'll help. And most of the time it did, you know, it was spot on. <laughs> I was very, uh, I was very proud of what, uh, what I was able to do with his help. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, uh, that answer just bleeds so nicely into my next question, which was, um, I mean, it's absolutely no secret to anyone who knows me as a musician that I'm a huge fan of your work and your music, specifically the Canadian floral emblems. Um, is a set that I love and I love to teach. I've got several students that have purchased the set and played it. And um, can you tell us more about that project? You said it started with the lady slippers. Was that a few years in process or was it something that you ended up um, churning out as a pandemic project? And then you told us about, you know, Philip's contributions to that. And um, can you can you tell us more about that process? Sure. First of all, thank you for for playing the music and introducing it to your students. I always love hearing that people are playing it, and you know that makes me very happy. So the uh, as I mentioned, it started out with that lady slipper piece, which I went home from from the conservation area and I I just whipped it up <laughs> over the next couple of days. I I just couldn't, you know, I had this idea and I I had to put it down. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, so that was a year prior, it was 2019, so the year prior to the pandemic. Uh, and then when I was working, so I had taken some other compositions lessons with Philip prior to me starting on the floral emblems. So one of the exercises he gave me was to take a little tune and uh, reharmonize it. Or, you know, just start with just the bare melody. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be something really simple and reharmonizing. So I jotted down this little ditty, uh, about the trilliums in my yard and, and, uh, how I was waiting for them to bloom and I was just being really impatient and watching <laughs> the buds. So I started this little melody. It was nothing much. It was kind of cornball actually. You know, I chose <laughs> that as my, my exercise. Uh, so then I had a trillion piece and then, um, someone remarked to me that, well, hey, Lady Slipper is the provincial emblem of Prince Edward Island. 
and I and then I thought, oh, well, Trillium is the provincial emblem of Ontario. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a little piece for my sister, who had a significant birthday, and it was uh, for piano and viola, so that my daughter and I could play it together. And we recorded our two parts remotely, and we put them together. And this is during the the pandemic, so I, you know, I couldn't go to go to her birthday party or anything like that. So I sent along this song, and I thought, well, okay, uh, she lives in Manitoba, and I. I think I could repurpose this song for um, uh, for Manitoba's flowers and call it Pericrocus. So that at that point I had three provincial emblems, and then Canada Council put out a, a an incentive grant for uh, to help artists during the the pandemic. So they were offering grants for any artistic work that could be put online. So I thought, well, I'm going to apply for that because I can do a, an online concert series mm -hmm. and a series of pieces, and I've all got three in the bag. So I, I wrote the grant and I got that. So that's how the floral, the floral emblems as a set came about. It's sort of, I mean, for lack of a better word, or it blossomed, you yes. know, into this into this project, and now um, everyone everyone can play their provincial floral emblem, which is just lovely. You have been incredibly busy performing and composing throughout the pandemic, um, done, doing lots of online concerts, like you had mentioned, and also you, you must have been incredibly busy composing. I wonder if you can tell us more about your project River Tales, which just premiered, and also timelines and how those came about and what they mean to you. Mm -hmm. well, those are both joint projects. Uh, timelines came first. Deborah Grass is a, a piano teacher and, and a composer also here in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And we met uh, back in college. Uh, you know, way back, way back when, and we were both studying uh, computer programming at the time, but we weren't in the same class. We were acquaintances, I guess. We didn't really mm -hmm. uh, hang out together because we were in different uh, different streams. Uh, and then we wound up working for the same company, but in different uh, subsidiaries. So we still didn't really interact. I, I knew that she was she had studied music at uh, Queen's, but beyond that, we didn't really uh, hang out. So that if fast forward to a few years ago, when we met up at uh, Steinway Piano Gallery for a teacher's workshop mm -hmm. there, and uh, I recognized, I saw her name on the name tag, and I recognized it and asked her if she was the same person who went to the college that we went to and worked for Elkan. So she said, yes, <laughs> that's me. So we, uh, you know, we struck up a friendship and, and then she approached me with this idea. She wanted to do, do some music. She, she had composed a, a piece uh, and she had this um, montage about her family history. So she's a United Empire, mm -hmm loyalist descendant and uh, she had written this this lovely piece of music and used it as backdrop for this uh, 
pictorial uh, story about her about her ancestors. Mm. And she said, I'd really like to do something with this. Would you be interested in collaborating on on this with me? Uh, from your point of view as an indigenous person and my point of view as a the descendant of United Empire Loyalists. So that's that's how that came about. And then we decided, well, I guess we didn't really have to think about it too much, what kind of instrumentation. And it had to be two pianos because we're both pianists. Of course. <laughs> it, and we didn't want it to be duets, like not on one piano, but it had to be two pianos. So that's we so we started working on that before the pandemic and we were actually planning to uh, release it as a concert uh, but then that all got uh, shut down of course yes and we put it aside for a while and then we got back to it uh, not that long ago <laughs> maybe back in yeah maybe last summer we, we started getting back to it or maybe the fall a number of things that happened in between that uh, made it hard to work on uh, and so we, we got back to that so we finally finished it and performed it. And we had a preview performance and then we had the uh, a larger performance, which we called our debut. <laughs> yeah. Well, it certainly was. It was gorgeous. It um, You had sent me the recording of it and I was uh, listening to it last week and while I was working and I just kept stopping and watching because it was just um, it was a mesmerizing performance and really beautiful writing that just um, I love the, all of like the variety of style within the same suite. It really was that that timelines, just as you had you know, described it, this weaving of stories. Um, and then River Tales, I was so glad that I was able to be at the, the premiere performance. Um, can you tell us more about River Tales and your collaboration with Wendy? Mm -hmm. I met Wendy at uh, at the place where we worked, and then we both got laid off around the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we kept up our our uh, our friendship. And Wendy is a poet, mm -hmm. so she showed me, or she shared a couple of my a couple of of her poems with me over the years. And then she showed me this poem. Uh, called River Tales One Day Forever, and it's about the Rideau River. Mm -hmm. And she asked me if I would like to set music to it. And and we, she had conceived it, I think, as as a song cycle. I think that was her idea. Wendy's also a, a trained uh, a musician. She mm -hmm. she was she's a flute player and was a member of the Youth Orchestra of Canada. Uh, and and attended university to study flute. So she's a, a musician as well. Mm -hmm. he, uh, so she had conceived that as a song cycle for a lower voice. So I, I took the poem and she also wanted it ad verbatim. So mm -hmm. not like word for word, no, nothing taken away, nothing, nothing added, uh, nothing repeated. So I took that and I, uh, wrote a song for each stanza so that's how the the structure was was created and then we recruited uh, uh, Dr. Andrea 
Cavago to sing. She's a mezzo soprano. So I so we had originally conceived it as being for contralto, but she came along early enough that I was able to adjust. The three of us collaborated on that. We met. Andrea contributed uh, comments about phrasing and things like that, and you know what what worked for her voice. And and I also had uh, help from the connections program from the New Music Creators of Canada. Mm-hmm. So. Dr. Helen Pridmore was my mentor, so I met with her regularly, uh, well, four times, uh, to get her comments. Uh, she's a she's a soprano, but she she teaches at um, I think it's University of Regina, mm-hmm. so I got invaluable assistance on that. You know, lots of feedback. I guess that you know that seems to be a trend with me. I get a lot of feedback. You know, I check in with people, and and so I, I learn a lot during the composition process. So I don't have any formal training in in composition, but private lessons and a lot of feedback as, as much as I can get. That's great. That's great. It's it's such a beautiful set of, of songs. I loved that that cycle. It was it was fantastic. Um, now I'm curious. Do you find do you find it hard to balance between being a composer and a teacher and a performer, or do you feel like those areas flow into each other? Yeah, I think they they flow into each other. I really enjoy comp- uh, playing my own work, mm-hmm. so I've been lucky in that sense. Uh, you know, mounting mounting our own um, productions, as it were, for River Tales and Timelines. And uh, and also Bojo Manoman. Uh, Odabanaga is the only commission that I've had. But I, th- I think I just do whatever the occasion calls for. So I have a few te- a few students, so I, I try to keep my commitments to them uh, as well. And I, I also like to introduce some composition into my teaching as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, Beverly, do you teach... Um, any of your own compositions? I know some composers that do all the time, and I know some that they never do. <laughs> well, at the moment, I don't really have any uh, students that are at, at the right level for... Right, that's fair. And uh, I, I did have one who's since gone on to university, uh, but I, I gave them the sweep, and I assigned maybe one just for sight reading practice. Mm-hmm. And whatever he's done with it, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, there's so much music out there. So <laughs> I tend to let them pick and choose. And... For sure. Do you have a composition that you wrote that gets you, that still gets you really excited when you get to, to program it or when someone else is performing it? Well, they're all like my children. <laughs> you know, they're all my favorites and they're all my, uh, you know, when I'm working on them in the moment. I think the, the one that, I am especially proud of and especially endeared to is Odabanog because I got to work on that project with my daughter and seeing that come together. It's been performed twice now, uh, both the same way. Uh, I think it, it's the type of work that could be presented in many ways, mm-hmm. uh, but what we've chosen to do with each performance is to intersperse 
uh, our two our two sets of works. Mm -hmm. So melody starts out, and then and then I've got and then the choir sings with mine, and then we so we kind of go back and forth. So together that way, uh, showing our very different works in two different ways, it's pretty it's pretty powerful for me, and and the fact that. You know, we're we're working on this together, and it's music from our community. Mm -hmm. The stories are from our community. I I didn't grow up in the community, so that that's pretty special and very powerful for me to to be entrusted with those elder stories, and uh, you know, to be privileged enough to to carry those. Yeah, absolutely. That this sounds like such a a special process um, and project to be able to do, especially with your with your child, that's wonderful. So going into my last question, we've here we've already sort of come to the end of our of our time. I just have one more question and a few rapid fire questions for you, if that's okay. Can you tell us what you are working on now and tell us about it, or do you keep most of your projects under wraps? Hmm. Um, well, I, I just received a commission from resound choir they're based in the durham area of uh on just east of toronto so, mm -hmm. it, so it would include oshawa and those surrounding communities so i've been commissioned to write a a piece a soprano alto alto tenor bass piece for them around five minutes Wonderful. uh the three composers commissioned unfortunately i can't remember the other the other composers who were also commissioned, and it will be for their 2022-23 season. So it will likely get performed next spring. Now I haven't really started working on that just yet. <laughs> so, uh, so first thing I'll need to do is is find text that I want to work on. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the theme that I've been given is motherhood, and mm -hmm. uh, experiences from the pandemics, from the pandemic. That will be what I'm working on next. Neat. Well, I can't wait to hear it, hear what you come up with. That's wonderful. So on the podcast, at least in this season, I'm asking each artist that I interview the same series of rapid fire questions. So just go with your gut instincts. There are no right or wrong answers. Um, can you point to a moment when you knew you wanted to be a composer? I think the moment that I met Jessica McMahon. And I wanted to write for her. That's great. Favorite piece or song to perform? Uh, I really enjoy playing Fireweed from Canadian floral albums. Wonderful. Or do you mean, do you mean my, my work or? It doesn't need to be your work. It could be anything, just something that, that you love to perform. Okay, I'll stick with that because I can't really think right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great one. <laughs> Good choice. Um, what is the worst musical or career advice you've been given? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, well, I, I think when I was transitioning to become a musician, was I got laid off and I went through career career counseling at that point. Mm-hmm. That was offered as uh, part of my layoff package. I did a quiz, and at that time I was seriously thinking about being self-employed somehow. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't want to go back to the computer world. And the quiz that I did said, don't be self-employed. <laughs> you have to find a job. And I, and my gut told me like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and here you are and you're doing amazing. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, what's the best musical or career advice that you can pass on to up and coming musicians? I think whatever I say is going to sound really cliched and, and that's okay. Sentimental, but, um, I would say take risks, mm -hmm. listen to as much music as you can, uh, study. Yeah, don't give up. That's great. Thank you, Beverly. Um, and what, what music are you listening to right now? Oh, well, July is just, uh, a smorgasbord of musical experiences. <laughs> so I've been going to the Music and Beyond Festival. Yeah. Went to Summer Blues Fest, and we've got some Chamber Fest concerts coming up. And uh, also there's a couple of National Arts Center concerts that I'm really looking forward to. For sure. I think that, that you and I have a similar smorgasbord of, <laughs> of music. I was listening. I was very into the jazz fest, uh, scene. I was very excited about that being back in person. So unfortunately I was out of town for the jazz fest. Otherwise I would have been there full blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me, Beverly. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for coming on loud and clear. Um, can you let our audience know where they can, where they can find you? And um, I will also attach links in the show notes. Well, my website is beverlymcivercom That's Beverly with L E Y on the end and McIver M C K I V E R. I can also find my music on Bandcamp, so beverlymcivercom And you can find me on Spotify, iTunes, and all those other streaming places. All of Coral Emblems. And there you have it. That is my interview with Beverly McIver. I hope you enjoyed it. I will have links to all of the references if you go to oamusicstudios.ca slash podcast. Make sure you go and give Beverly a follow and let her know how much you enjoyed the show. Thank you to the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra for sponsoring this podcast. Make sure you head over to saskatoonsymphony.org to purchase tickets for upcoming shows. And if you don't live in the Saskatoon area, you can watch these shows via concert stream by following the link at the top of the website. I'm your host, Olivia Adams. This is Loud and Clear, and you can find me at OA Music Studios on socials. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.